Hello, friends, and welcome to the Deeper Daily Podcast. I'm your host, Paul White. It's the 28th day of March, and I want to remind you, you you probably are well aware of this um, due to the fact that we did not post an Ephesians study at midweek last week. We've been doing our Tuesday evening Bible studies in Georgia, and we post whatever we do there on Wednesday. Last week, we did not have our study up, and we will not have that up tomorrow. And of course, the reason for that is that my wife and I are in Israel through the end of March. And so everything you've been hearing for this past week and this week on into next week is all recorded several weeks in advance in anticipation of that trip. Well, we're not here to do the Tuesday evenings and therefore that's why there's not two drops on Wednesday and just as a reminder, so we haven't forgotten the studies in Ephesians. We have not abandoned it. We have not canceled our Tuesday nights. We are simply um, not available, but we will be back at it. The plan, I don't see any reason this doesn't happen, is we're back at it next week. So you can expect a resumption of the Ephesians study, and we will be starting the fourth chapter We tried to round it out to where our last session together, which was studies in Ephesians number 16, got us through the third chapter. So um, it's looking like that's about the pace we're going. I don't foresee any change. So probably be in the low 30s as far as the number of lessons it takes us to get through Paul's book of Ephesians. We're not in a rush there. We're not in a rush here. We're in a world where we seem like we rush everything. Maybe taking our time in studying the Bible is one of those respites from a very hustle-bustle lifestyle that we all live. And perhaps taking our time to study the Bible is also one of the things that we can do to help aid our own spiritual formation. And, And yes, I do believe that we help aid our spiritual formation. We do not save ourselves We do not redeem ourselves. We do not declare ourselves nor make ourselves righteous. But we do aid in our own spiritual formation by the habits of our faith. The habits of our faith seem to be the things that take us to the roots of our faith. Well, speaking of the habits of our faith and the roots of our faith, let's get into the text as we begin a brand new chapter today in Mark chapter 6. Verse 1, then he went out from there and came to his own country, and his disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath had come, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many, hearing him, were astonished, saying, Where did this man get these things? And what wisdom is this which is given to him that such mighty works are performed by his hands? You might wonder why a moment ago I said, speaking of the habits of our faith, let's get to Mark 6. Getting to Mark 6 is not a representative of the habit of our faith, but what Jesus does in Mark 6 is representative of the habits of our faith. Notice that when it's Sabbath day, he goes to the synagogue. In Luke, when he goes to the synagogue, which doesn't necessarily correspond, Luke 4, doesn't necessarily correspond directly to this moment that he goes to the synagogue. We're, we're to believe he goes every available Saturday. That's synagogue day in the Jewish culture of his day. Um, It's not necessarily the same day as this version from Mark 6, but in the Luke 4 version, it says, as was his habit, he went to the synagogue. Which tells me that um, we ought to make a habit of assembly. And and that's not, I'm not giving you some fresh revelation. We all know we need to make a habit of assembly. 
Making a habit out of assembly is part of what we do because we have found we're better together than separate. It's also part of our spiritual formation. So Jesus, on the Sabbath, goes into synagogue and begins to teach. And at this point in his ministry, people are becoming more and more amazed at the wisdom and the authority that comes out of his mouth. They ask the question, where did he get these things What wisdom is this which has given to him such mighty works performed by his hands? Then they follow it up with a question from the natural realm. Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary and brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon, and are not his sisters here with us? So they were offended at him. This third verse shows us that Jesus had other brothers and sisters, and there are some Christian traditions that try to... um, fight this as being his actual family because they don't want Mary to have ever had natural relations with a man, somehow keeping her in, that apparently keeps her in some pure state. I, I personally think that we are misunderstanding purity if we think sexual relations inside of marriage would make someone somehow less pure or less holy. I think that's a pretty skewed vision of what marriage is. If if we think that consummation thus makes someone less. And so if Mary had actually slept with Joseph after Jesus is born and had children with him, she would somehow be less of this venerated being. I I don't want to take up that argument, but I do want to make that point that Mark seems to be saying, and this is the earliest gospel, by the way, seems to be identifying Jesus' brothers and sisters. They do not mention son of Joseph in verse 3, but they do mention that he's a carpenter. And the word there for carpenter in the Greek is really just a builder a laborer. Um, We don't know exactly what kind of carpenter there could be. There's specialists among carpenters in any era, in any generation. And so we don't know for sure, but it would have been common to have been, to have apprenticed someone and most likely he apprenticed his earthly father, Joseph, who by Mark 6 appears to be dead. Because they don't say he's the son of Joseph. They say he's the son of Mary. And I don't think that's because the crowd recognizes him as the son of God, but rather because his earthly father is already gone. The the last phrase of verse 3, though, is interesting. So they were offended at him. Notice that the offense in this passage doesn't come because of what Jesus has preached or what he has done, it comes because they know him. They know him as Mary's kid, the carpenter. And because they know him in the natural, they know natural things about him. Maybe they had a run-in with him. Maybe they heard a story about him. I'm not accusing Jesus of anything. I'm just saying that's how we do as humans. The offense came in that this brat they know from Nazareth is up here trying to tell them something. And every person who has ever tried to grow out of their hometown 
or grow up in a way a little different from their family or their friends or their culture gets accused of being a sellout or when you have any kind of knowledge you try to bring back into that scenario, you get accused of being maybe snobbish or... And I think that's what we're dealing with here. They're not offended at his gospel. They're offended at him. Even Jesus had to deal with people not accepting who he, what he had to say because they knew who he was. And he's Jesus. So how much more are we going to have to deal with this? We're going to have to deal with it all the time. People who are offended at our very existence because it is human. Because they know things about us. So, relax. You, if Jesus couldn't please everyone, you're no better. I'm no better. I need reminded of it often. We continue tomorrow. See you then. God bless.